Welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines. We're brought to you by Wenting Cycle and Mission. Here's your Wenting's word of the week. It is Sherwin. Mention that word to Bruce or any staff member the next time you are at Wenting's, maybe on Wednesday for that Wednesday night spin session that starts at 6, and you'll win a prize. It's just that easy. Once again, your Wenting's word of the week, Sherwin. We're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. With the race season quickly approaching, it's time to take action. TriJoy can help. If this is your year to try your first triathlon or do your first marathon, our low client-to-athlete ratio ensures you get the support you need. We offer in-person consultations, effective training plans, and regular progress assessments to help keep you on track. It's TriJoy. See the link at the bottom of this page. Up on the show today, we have a feature interview with one of the province's fastest Olympic distance triathletes, formerly from Chilliwack and now from Brentwood Bay, Robert Johnson is our guest. Also coming up, the latest research on the science of carbo-loading. 40 minutes of carbo-rich fit speak starts right now. Here's your FitSpeak 60 at the races. Kicking things off, some interesting stuff going on at Mitchell Hudson's tri-event season opener, the Chili Chase in Vancouver. Winning the overall in the half was Alex Campbell in 1 hour and 14 minutes. Second was Nick Duff in 1.19 and getting bronze in just over an hour and 21 minutes was Suzuki Watanabe. Here's where things get interesting. There was also a 15-kilometer distance. Listen to this. Winning the overall was Emily Schaefer in 1 hour and 2 minutes. One minute back, Uber cyclist Morgan Cabot in 103. And taking third overall was Aaron Nesman in 1 hour and 4 minutes. But wait, the female domination of the 15K division continued with Dora Velasquez in fourth and Claire Patrick in fifth. The first guide across in the 15K was Mohamed Salam in 1.15. In the 10K, the winning time of just under 40 minutes, another female, Vivian Davidson, and another female claimed second overall in the 10K in a time of 41 minutes, that was Tasman Reno. Third overall and first male overall for the 10K, Matt Zielinski in 43 minutes. Kudos to Mitchell Hudson for bringing out the girl power to the Chili Chase. The second race we want to talk to you about is the Pacific Half Marathon in Vancouver. That one was on February the 9th under cold and crisp conditions. That seemed to suit Dylan Wilkes. He went 105. Yep, just over an hour for 21 kilometers. In second was Robin Watson in 106. And taking third, Anthony Tomshish just 30 seconds back. The overall winners on the female side were Robin Mildred in 1 hour and 17 minutes, Andrea Lee second in 118, and the third female to cross was Courtney Olson 30 seconds back. And that's your FitSpeak 60 at the races. In the world of endurance sports, there are certain standards that mean a whole lot to participants, and meeting those standards really means you've arrived in the sport. In cycling, there's the sub 1 hour 40k time trial. In running, there's the sub 3 hour marathon. 
In swimming, there's the sub one hour 4K standard. In triathlon, the gold standard for the Olympic distance event, which features a 1.5K swim, 40K bike, and 10K run is achieving under two hours. Our feature interview today is with Robert Johnson. He's gone under that two hour mark a number of times. We'll talk about how he got that fast, his training team called Everyman Jack, his misfortune on the podium in Vancouver, and he'll also have some training advice for us. And welcome to another episode of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines, and on the phone with us from Brentwood Bay and formerly from Chilliwack is up-and-coming, I guess we could say, triathlete Robert Johnson. Robert, thank you for taking the time to spend with us on FitSpeak on this cold and wintry February night. Yeah, thank you for having me. I don't know if I'd call me up-and-coming anymore. I might be falling but uh yeah thanks very much for having me on the podcast and i heard you were doing some strength training not more than about a half hour ago shoveling some snow yeah we're getting a big big dump here in brentwood bay and and uh i've been out there for the last couple hours shoveling snow in my neighbor's neighbor's driveway too um so yeah getting a good workout and i didn't really get to the pool or anything today so that was my that was my training for the day I'll tell you how you get around this. Uh, I actually got my wife to shovel half the driveway, and I said oh, okay. she does does one half, I do the other half, and we went to the pool together. We cut our workout short, but uh, we got a little bit in the pool done. Oh, good. Well, that's good stuff. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your uh, your history in sport, Robert. Uh, is Chilliwack your hometown? Yeah, Chilliwack's my hometown. I was born born and raised there. Um, lived there until. Oh, when I went to university and then kind of came back for a little while as well. Uh, my parents still live there, so I have a lot of lot of family and go back, you know, several times a year. And growing up in Chilliwack, what were the kind of sports you were doing as a kid? Yeah, growing up, I was just an active kid. I, I played played hockey. Um, that was my primary sport, really. But I, I played pretty much everything. I was playing baseball, you know, basketball, volleyball, soccer. I did a little bit of track and field. Um, did not really swim, um, but yeah, I was one of those kids that would just come home from school every day and then go out and play and come back in for dinner and then usually go back out. So I was just a really active kid. But your basic yeah, Canadian uh, growing up in in you know uh, the Fraser Valley, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, at at that early age, were there any indications of your uh, awesomeness as an athlete? Because you are a, a very high caliber triathlete today. I would say no. I, I, I was a good, I was a pretty decent hockey player. Like I played at a fairly high level in Chilliwack. Um, I was the kind of guy I didn't have. I didn't have a great set of hands or anything. So, uh, but I could skate like the wind and stay on the ice for a long time. So maybe that was, um, you know, some sort of uh, indication that I might do well in endurance sports. But no, not really. I didn't do any. I didn't do any uh, sort of endurance level sports. It was all just keeping active. So. Yeah, I would never ever really thought that. I, I started running a little bit for training uh, when I was, you know, 12, 13 years old. My dad used to go, and he would run a couple of miles at the track, and I would I would go and I'd just run basically as hard as I could around around the track, and and so that was kind of my only background in running or endurance sports, I think. So, how old were you when you started to uh, beat your dad running? You know what? It's actually pretty. It was pretty young. I remember that. It was probably only about. Uh, 13 maybe you know 14 when I was already starting to beat him at the track mm -hmm. yeah so it, it I think I think I had a bit of a 
a bit of running running speed just to start with. And any brothers or sisters? Uh, I have an older sister. Yeah. No, not an athlete. No, she she did some figure skating a bit as a kid, but she's a she is a hockey mom. Then you went off um, after high school graduation to pursue higher education. Yeah, I spent a few more years in Chilliwack playing hockey and then working, going to school a little bit, and then went off to UBC to study computer science. Um, studied there for about four years, with one year um, spent in Waterloo, Ontario, working for uh, Research Emotion, the Blackberry guys. Oh, as right, well. yes. Spent a year there. That Those types of winters, compared to you know the few days that we're getting a dump of snow, were, were not not. I wasn't fan, fans of those, so I, I didn't plan to go back after I was done with my time there. But um, yeah, I studied at UBC. I, you know, did a lot of different sports when I was there. Um, primarily playing hockey. I played for one of the fraternity teams there, and I was kind of like their ringer on their hockey team and all their other intramural teams. So I, I just generally kept active with those things and kind of got into weightlifting too a bit. So you went from playing hockey at a pretty high level in Chilliwack. You did the university thing. You moved over to Waterloo. When were you introduced to the sport of triathlon? Yeah, sorry. I missed what your question was. We keep cutting out here. Oh, not a problem. Um, so we were talking about your transition. I don't know. I am. Um, transition. And then uh, what was your introduction to the sport of triathlon? Yeah. So, you know, growing up, I was always a, a like had an interest in triathlon. I can definitely remember watching uh, when Simon won his gold medal there at the Olympics. And, and I can remember watching the old Ironman specials and the escape from Alcatraz specials that they used to um, have on, on NBC there. So I always had a familiarity with the sport. I actually almost joined the UBC tri club when I started at UBC, but I, I didn't know how to swim and didn't have a bike. So I just kind of ended up ruling that out that I, that, you know, it wasn't something I, I would be able to do. Um, and then in, in 2008, just after I'd graduated and I was working for a company called Point Streak, um, we kind of did a whole lot of things related to sports technology, but uh, mainly like hockey stats. And that was the year that Vancouver hosted the ITU Grand Final. Um, and some of the guys down from work had gone down to watch it. And I guess it just kind of piqued their interest and they decided they wanted to do um, a try-a-try. And I don't know if you remember the – the try a try series they used to have down in Harrison Mills years ago it was very, very grassroots. It was Absolutely. Yeah, every single weekend. And so they decided they were going to give that a try. And, and one day they were talking about their training and uh, they were just listing their run times. And I started kind of kind of chirping at them about it because mm -hmm. I was able, I didn't run much, but I was able to run way faster than those times. So, so they challenged me to do it with them uh -huh. and, and I accepted. And, um, I think we were about three weeks out from the event. I, I did basically no training at all for this thing. Uh, I think I went to UBC one day and swam with a, a lifeguard to kind of assess how our, our swimming skills were and um, did a little bit of running, maybe a couple of bike rides on the spin bike at the gym, but that was about it. I, had, I really had no idea what I was getting myself into. So, yeah, we all went down, down to do this race. I borrowed a, a buddy's a dad's bike. It was an old... 80s road bike with the shifters on the down tubes and um i didn't know how to shift the bike at all and um showed up for this thing and and it was in kind of the kind of a portion of the the river there so the water was basically waist deep and i couldn't swim i, I started off trying to actually swim and didn't know how to swim really very well and couldn't sight i mean i'd never practiced any open water type swimming so i ended up basically just walking most <laughs> of it um 
And it was only 400 meters. And if you go on Athlinks, it has the results on there still. It says I took 21 minutes to swim 40, 400 meters, and uh, which is kind of embarrassing. But um, the day before the race, I'd spent a bit of time in my parents' you know driveway practicing transitions. And this was very, very grassroots. It was, it was everybody was brand new to the sport. So I remember coming through and just kind of blowing through transition while everybody was in there, you know, cleaning their feet and putting their socks and doing a full change. So I got out in a pretty good spot. And then I had a bit of, I had a bit of bike strength, I guess, just because of my hockey background and um, managed to bike my way into second place. And then ended up up winning on the run. So, So I mean, it was a very, very small event and, and uh, not really a big deal, but at the time I'd never really done anything like an individual uh, sport like that had any sort of accomplishment. So it felt really good at the time. And, and I guess I decided to, you know, to keep at it the next year. Well, well, damn, yeah. Robert, the next question I was going to ask is what was your breakthrough race? But I mean, you had a, a pretty uh, solid debut into the sport. So you wanted, how big was the field or can you remember at that time? Oh, I'm not sure. There might've only been about a hundred people in the event. It was, it was pretty small. But pretty special all the same. It maybe, you know, let you think about some of the possibilities that, you know, if you had a bike and perhaps if the bike fit and maybe if you did this training thing, you could even get faster. Yeah, I I think it did. Like it it was that just that sense of accomplishment. I mean, like you get when you finish any any race, really just that sense of, you know, finishing something. And and that really kind of hooked me. And I, I was sort of looking for something like that at the time anyway. Um, so yeah, the next year I picked up a triathlete magazine, um, kind of in the late, you know, spring, early summer and, and decided I was going to train for the, um, the Subaru series race at Jericho, um, which was a a beautiful race. It's too bad that that doesn't, uh, exist anymore. But so I did a little bit of training for that. I went down and, you know, talked to the guys at, at speed theory in Vancouver there to get some background and about the sport. And I ended up buying a, a road bike. An old, a Cannondale CAD nine and it was a size 61 and I'm, I'm six foot one. So I don't know why they sold me a, that size. Cause it was way, way too big for me, but I, I was going to say, you probably need a step ladder to get on that thing. <laughs> it must've been just an absolute horrible bike fit on, the, <laughs> on that thing. I don't think that actually did fit me. I can remember buying the bike and then the salesperson asked me if I needed pedals and they had flat pedals on the bike. And I was like, what do you mean? It has pedals. <laughs> So I didn't know what I was doing that. I would call that my breakthrough race only in the sense that um, because of that race, I ended up getting introduced to the the leading edge triathlon club in Vancouver. And um, that was pretty pivotal for me in uh, kind of helping me fall in love with the sport, I think, because um, not only did, did they have some really, really good and experienced coaches in, in Alan Carlson, who's now the uh, talent ID director for triathlon Canada and um, Andrew Toivonen, who's, been in the sport for, for a really long time, but um, also just a really, really good group of people. And that was kind of what I was looking for that, you know, that group to belong to. And, and I found it there and um, just having those people who have become good friends, friends of mine still um, to go out and train with all the time was really what, what kind of um, stoked the fire, I think. And now you're also part of another triathlon organization or team. How would you describe this? Uh, I mean, the first time I saw you, Robert, you were blazing down the course. Um, You know, we've done quite a few races together, but I I remember you uh, rocking this Everyman Jack jersey. So what's what's that all about? 
Um, Everyman Jack is a na uh, natural line of uh, men's grooming products. Um, the founder of the company, Rich Viola, who's a, a you know really really good age group uh, triathlete. I think he's podiumed at uh, at Kona in his age group. Um, probably one of the top you know 45 to 49 Ironman athletes out there. Um, he he decided to start a triathlon team just with some buddies of him in the Bay Area, I think it was about six or seven years ago, just as a way to kind of get a little bit of sponsorship for his company and get his name out there a little bit and just have a group of guys to train with. And it uh, it kind of just ex expanded over the years um, uh, to to be a, a really big team. It, it, I think we've got about 50 or 60 guys um, all across North America, really, really well supported by, you know, sponsors and um and just other resources and just really top-notch team to be on, but, but also just a lot of really, really good guys. You know, we have um, some of the top, top Ironman, you know, and short course guys in the world um, on the team, but just a really diverse group of guys, you know, um, neuroscientists, lawyers, doctors, you know, teachers, just across the board. So it's just a really great group of people to be a part of and really um, enjoy being, being on that group. And we, we go for a, a training camp every year down in Las Vegas, which is coming up soon. And it's a good way to just meet people. And whenever you go travel to a race, pretty much anywhere, there's a guy on EMJ there. So you've got a place to stay or just someone to connect, connect to. So are you uh, going to be going to Las Vegas for the training camp? I absolutely will, yeah. And what sorts of things will they have you doing there? I mean, swim, bike, run, given, but uh, as far as specific workouts, are there any that you've done in the past that you kind of hold near? Yeah, we go, we go, Vegas is actually a really, really good place for, for biking if you get out, obviously, outside the strip. And so we tend to do the Red Rock Loop ride, which is really a nice one to do. Um, ride out to Lake Las Vegas and Lake Mead. Uh, we'll do that one. We always do a run through uh, up to um, Hoover Dam uh, from from Lake Lake Mead, um, and we get to swim in this beautiful pool, the the Henderson Aquatic Center in Henderson, uh, Nevada, which is just out of, outside Las Vegas, and just really well supported. We we've had the last few years we've we've been in this complex of what they call castles. Basically, they're just big mansions, and uh, we sounds we've pretty had sounds pretty nice. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty nice, and I mean everything's really taken care of for us. We have People making dinners for us. Um, the food's all taken care of. Really, sponsors there. We've had um, the guys from Goo have been there the last couple of years, and and they're driving around with their van, and and you know they pop out of nowhere and they give you all these gels and 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 drink and stroop waffles and all this sort of stuff. And we've got uh, Talbot Cox there um, every year. We kind of gave Talbot a start. He was he came to us a few years ago to um, just looking to get into the triathlon game, and he. And he joined us for the camp, and he's kind of obviously made a name for himself since then too. So, yeah, he pops up everywhere with his drone, drone coming above you, and it's just, mm -hmm. it's just really, really, really professional and cool experience, and and something just lucky to be a part of. Absolutely, but uh, being in Las Vegas, I mean, when the sun goes down, is it still swim, bike, run, or do you uh, partake in some of the other things that Vegas has to offer? Uh, we basically we do one. We'll do one day where we go. You know, the last the last night we go out to the strip and, and have some fun. But for the most part, it's just it's just really hanging out, having team dinners, getting to know each other, um, connecting with the guys. Um, you know, there's a number of guys that have been on the team for for years that I know pretty well. But there's always new people joining, and so it's just an opportunity to kind of get to know everyone. Um, and and you know, we do do a fair amount of training. It's usually around you know six hour days. So 
not a lot of going out to the strip, but we do we do get up there for for one for one night of fun. Yeah, between training, I mean, six hour day that's pretty hectic and pretty heavy. So you're probably just better off to kick up the feet and uh, get some nutrition and some rest and hit it hard the next day. Yeah, and when you're when you're in a house with you know. 20, 20 guys, it kind of takes you back to university and, and it, you're not getting a ton of rest or a ton of sleep in that sort of scenario either. So, uh-huh. yeah, it, it's just toll. I, can, I think it only lasts for about four days of that. And I'd... Tell us about uh, some of your favorite races around the province or around the world. Uh, what's your favorite distance? Do you have any, like when we talk to Nathan Killam, um, he always wants to tell us about Wildflower. And unfortunately for this year, I don't know if you've read, but the Wildflower race is canceled. So Nathan was a yeah, bit bummed that. out. But uh, what sort of races get you excited? What's your favorite distance, favorite races, that sort of thing? I am definitely an Olympic distance racer. I I dabbled in half Ironmans. I did a couple. did not did not enjoy the experience, and so um, decided to go back to short course racing. And that's sort of sort of what I enjoy. Um, for his favorite races, you know, I I sort of feel like I have. I've always loved the Apple Triathlon in Kelowna, and I have a bit of like unfinished business at that one because I haven't been able to go back and race there when I've been kind of at the top of my games, you know, last year, that was kind of my focus race. I was kind of geared up to do, to do that one. Obviously it was smoked out. So, um, hoping to do that one again, uh, next year, love doing the, the dynamics race series here, you know, in the, in the Fraser Valley and on the Island that Joe and Angie put on, those are always fun. And, and various other races, you know, the, the course in Edmonton, the ITU course that has some success there as well. So that's, that's kind of a race uh, that I kind of, you know, I always enjoy doing, yeah, and just some of the other local races, you know, the Peach Classic is another kind of, you know, legendary one, I guess you'd say, and short course racing is my sort of bread and butter. Okay, so you must know your splits pretty well, so for the listeners out there who uh, like to focus on numbers, can you tell us uh, your best uh, best splits times uh, for swim, bike, run? Well, I feel like my race in, in 2014 in Edmonton was probably about when I was at, at probably my best in 2014, 2015, geez, what were my splits? I think I swam, I don't have a swimming background, but I did, I did manage a 19 minute 1500 in that race, which I was really, really proud of because it took a lot of work to get to that level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my time, my final time for the race might've been 154 or 156. I can't remember. So we're, t- um, we're talking really... to a solid under two hour guy. Yeah, there was a good period of time there where I was I was down below 155 for most of my Olympic distance racing. Haven't been there for a little while, but but yeah, I think that race I think I ran a you know just under 34 off the bike in that one, and that was probably the best best race that I've ever uh, ever had. And how did that uh, get you as far as uh, placement in the field? Um, I think I finished. That was the ITU Grand Final that year. I think I finished second overall and and i won won my age group at that one well that's an amazing performance congratulations yeah thank you tell us a little bit about last year how was your season um last year was uh, it was kind of up and down i i had a bad injury back in in 2016 that kind of ended my my race season that year and what was the injury uh it's it's kind of a kind of a ridiculous injury but i had a, a glass um i was given a glass of 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 alcohol, non-alcoholic um, beer on the podium, and it actually shattered in my hands. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so I was let. I had um, 
two tendons of my my right ring finger were severed and and the nerve was severed as well so i had to have um surgery to repair those and and was in a brace for about three months how terrible something that was supposed to be you know a, a joyous celebration turns into this freak accident yeah it definitely was um just put a damper on on winning that that particular race it was the vancouver 5150 which uh they don't put on anymore and um was that because of your lawsuit no, 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 nothing to do with that. Yeah, no, I think it just wasn't. It wasn't as well attended as they're hoping oh, to do. Okay. Yeah, so that kind of derailed me a, a bit for that summer, and then and then we moved over here to Brentwood Bay, and it was kind of 2017 was really just kind of getting, trying to get back to where I had been, but also adjusting to new environment, new job, and um, new training, training environment. So you know that year was kind of not a great year for me, and so last year was just trying to. I kind of just wanted to have a, a, a race again where I felt good about my results and managed to, to do well at the, the Peach Classic there, which was the BC Championships, and ended up with the win at that one, which was which was really nice to tr- be able to cross the finish line first again. Uh, I think the I feel like the highlight of my race season actually was is at Cultus Lake. Obviously, that that race means a lot to me, being from Chilliwack, and, and my yeah. whole family was there, which is always nice and. Uh, it was pouring rain, which is actually great race conditions for me. I do well in the cold, not not well in the heat, uh-huh. and um, had a really good battle with my good friend and, and an old training partner, Dylan Gleason, in that one. And um, Dylan's, you know, one of the top, probably one of the top uh, age group Ironman cyclists in the world. Really, he's had the top bike split in Kona um, before, so had a really good battle with him on the bike and it just, and, and had a really good run and managed to win that one. And, um, that was really special just always to, you know, have a, have a race that you feel good about, but also just to have, have a good battle with a good friend of mine. It really reminded me of all the the training sessions that he and I used to do, you know, riding around Stanley park and and running at Rockton Oval and, and all those, all those good times, just having fun fun with your friends. So that was a nice way to kind of go out. And a nice uh, end result for the season. So Dylan yeah. came second that day. Dylan came second and another uh, Chilliwack sort of triathlon uh, legend and, and Anthony Toth came uh, third in that one. So a Chilliwack sweep at Cultus Lake to end the season off there back. Yeah, well, well, yeah, Dylan, Dylan's not from Chilliwack, but um, Anthony and I. Oh, Anthony is. So uh, this season you've got some races planned out already or are things still kind of in the planning stage? I would say things are kind of up in the air for me as far as racing. I'm kind of really just trying to reconnect with having having fun with it. Um, I've been doing a lot of since I moved here. I've been doing a lot of the training that I've been doing just pretty much on my own. And to be honest with you, looking back, it's kind of not been a whole lot of fun and kind of taken on almost like a, as, as being a second job. So I'm really just trying to kind of reconnect with you know groups and having fun here. I've been I've been training a little bit with the. Um, uh, Clint Lean's group, Mercury Tra- uh, Rising Triathlon Club, doing a little bit of training with them. I'm, I'm lucky to have uh, Andrew Russell, who's a former national national triathlon team member, lives kind of right down the road from me, and he's he's taken up a lot of trail running uh, right now, and so I've been joining him for a lot of that, and really just trying to use it as a way to you know connect with people again and, and have fun. So as far as races that I'm doing, uh, I don't really know. I don't have much of a a plan scheduled for that. I'll, I'm sure I'll be at um, some of uh, Joe and Angie's dynamic race series events again because I always have fun at those. And maybe uh, repeat as the Cultus Lake champion in 2019. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, my I mean, my main goal is really just just to have 
you know, have, have fun with it. Take a bit of a step back and just reconnect with why I started doing triathlon in the sort of first place. So yeah, I think I'll dabble in a few different things and maybe do a trail running race or two just to kind of mix things up. So yeah, just, just kind of playing by ear right now. Let's, uh, let's delve into the fun aspects. What would be one of the most fun workouts that you like to do as a triathlete? Yeah, back when I was living in Vancouver, I used to train with a really, really good group. It was um, the PT performance crew, which was uh, coached by my, um, my coach at the time, Noah Deutsch. And so I had a, had a really great group of people. We trained with a lot of the, the junior um, triathletes, had a really good group of them, and, and, and Dylan Gleason, as I mentioned, and a, and a whole a number of other, you know, Kona qualifiers and uh, good, good athletes. And so we'd, we'd go into to Vancouver at Stanley Park in, in the early mornings during the summer and we'd do these brickwork workouts and it would just be an absolute, you know, basically harder than any, any race I would do uh, on the bike. You'd have guys like Dylan and some uh, Michael Millich, who's been one of the top junior and under 23 um, athletes in Canada uh, out there, you know, just hammering it on the bike in the early morning in, in Stanley Park when it's completely empty and you have the roads to yourself and then take off at a sprint around Brock, Brockton Oval in the morning. And it, those those were just kind of, yeah, some of the, the funnest workouts that I used to do because it was just going out hard, you know, going out and, and going hard and having fun with your, your friends. And so um, I used to really enjoy those. Yeah, just giving her nice people, nice environment. I mean, so fortunate to be able to train and race in Vancouver where the scenery is so stunning and the weather for the most part is uh, pretty cooperative. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and just uh, just that caliber of athlete, you know, to be able to train with them every day, you just can't help but get stronger. Mm-hmm. Speaking of getting stronger and doing that sort of thing, uh, a lot of people are switching to indoor training. Uh, well, I mean, with a half a foot on the snow of snow rather on the ground, that's kind of a no brainer. Yeah. But are are you much of a Zwift guy? You know what? I, I have I have not gotten into the Zwift world. I've I think I've done it once. I'm not. Not super keen on on trainer riding in, in general, so usually I'll just turn on a hockey game or something and try to ride for maybe an hour, an hour and a half. But yeah, I just I never really got got into the Zwift sort of racing. I don't I don't know why. So you're uh, kind of like the old school athlete where you just put on like you were saying, just the television to kind of give you a bit of a distraction and just uh, pound out the watts. Yeah, so a hockey game and some loud music. Sometimes I pretend that I'm on the ice and out there playing and, 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 um, and just, yeah, just, just go hard. I, I haven't really gotten into that social part of it, but maybe it's worth, worth a try to kind of make it a little bit more interesting. You were saying loud music. So let's say you have to do one of these, uh, 20 minute full out time trials. What's the music of choice for Robert? Oh, some old school, you know, like eighties rock, the stuff that you would hear at, uh, at hockey games, probably, you know, back when I was growing up, that usually get, ends up on my playlist or some some ACDC or, you know, Metallica, stuff like that, I guess. It, yeah. it seems it always comes. I don't think I've had an athlete on this program who hasn't said ACDC. Yeah, it's pretty pretty classic. You can't yeah. really go wrong with them. Yeah, rocking out to Thunderstruck and just barely breathing. And so, Robert, you've, you've been at this for quite some time, had some amazing successes great fast times what have you learned about yourself from the sport uh the main thing i've i've really learned from it and it's, it's something that i think i really already have learned from from playing hockey and and even even just going to school is really that if you you know if you're willing to 
to work hard enough at something and really dedicate yourself and be consistent to it and and set goals for yourself there's really there's really not a whole lot that you can't you know achieve obviously we're all you know limited by our genetics um to an extent you know with endurance sports and that and i'm lucky to have have some of that i think too but but really it's just if if you if you're willing to to go out there and put in the work year after year really and and you have that as your goal there's there's really not not uh, any limit to what you can do and for yourself which part of the sport was the the segment where you really had to work at it as opposed to play at it uh swimming absolutely yeah no no swimming background for me so um there was a good period of time in you know 2011 to you know 14 or 15 where i would be swimming five five and a half k every single morning you know 25 30 k a week um just consistently with a you know coach on deck and just putting in that work uh you know every day with a with a good group of people too what advice would you give to somebody just starting out in the sport robert uh you know what just just have fun with it get be consistent with your training don't take it too seriously you're going to you're going to improve every single year if you you put the training in just enjoy it and have fun and and you know get out there and and connect with people uh, in the community and and yeah just you just got to love what you're doing love it have something that's uh perhaps a a long-term goal worth doing some of the sacrifices because to get good at this sport does take a lot of time and dedication and in some cases you know time spent away from the family and sacrifices perhaps at work so absolutely in in order to have that I mean make it fun but uh, there's times where you just have to you know like I'm sure there were mornings when you didn't want to necessarily go out and crank 5,000 meters in the pool but you showed up and you did it and the results came with that. Yeah, exactly. I think it was it was um, Desiree Linden who said after she won the Boston Marathon, you know, just keep showing up, and that's that's kind of what I did, I guess. Yeah. Can you tell us about your most embarrassing moment in triathlon? Uh yeah. Well, that's easily the podium. Oh, absolutely embarrassing and tragic <laughs> at the same time. Tell tell us yeah, exactly absolutely. how that happened. Uh you know, it's hard really to say. It was it was just. Glass ended up shattering, and um, I, I was—I uh, almost missed the podium ceremony actually because I was out to lunch, and they decided to uh, to start it early, and um, ended up ended up a friend called me to to tell me they were starting it early, and I was supposed to actually be up there with um, the the women's winner Lauren Lauren Babineau, who trains here in Victoria now, and and she had gotten her car towed, so she so she was um, she wasn't there for the ceremony, so I got my friend Karsten Lapointe, who was the second place men's uh, finisher to come up there with me and and somehow yeah somehow it ended up shattering I'm not really entirely sure um, and I think most people didn't really understand what had happened at first but well so bizarre I could, yes yeah I could tell right away because my finger went completely numb and I couldn't move it and, oh um, had a lot of lacerations on both hands thankfully most of them were just superficial and just needed stitches I think I ended up with about 30 stitches in my my two hands but between them and um yeah, ended up being a bit of a, a long summer, but yeah. um, you heal. So we'll end off the interview with the uh, the general questions, and these I don't think we've prepped you for, so get ready to think on the spot, Robert. So first of all, um, tell me about one of your favorite uh, bike training rides out there near uh, near Victoria in your area. 
Uh, yeah, you, I mean, one of the most popular ones is to just do the peninsula loop um, here. I, I live on, on the peninsula, so it's it's nice to be able to just jump right up the door and start doing that one. It's 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 a lot of the a lot of the current Victoria seventy point three bike course. It's pretty pretty common uh, bike ride that people do here. I, I always see the the bike groups coming by uh, by the house in the morning here, um, especially during the summer. You see them all come by, so that's that's the the go to one for me. So let's talk about that ride specifically. So it's a beautiful day. Let's put you in the month of May, and you've just finished your bike ride. And it's it's pretty hot out, so you're kind of you're kind of thirsty. So, what is going to be your uh, beverage of choice after a great bike? Well, I have to say, a nice cold Coca Cola. My my dad uh, has worked for Coca Cola for the past forty five years, and my grandfather worked there for thirty years, and and my brother in law is a, is is currently working for Coca Cola as well. So. I think I'd get kicked out of the family if I said it was anything other than Coke. <laughs> I think you're totally on message there, Robert. Okay, last one before we uh, let you go. If you could be an animal other than a human being, what animal would you be? And tell us why. Oh, I got to say a cat. I've got, I've got two cats uh, here. And uh, most of their day is spent just sleeping and, and eating. So they, they, they have it pretty good. Mm-hmm. They came from about of, of chasing each other around and, and running around the house. But... Yeah, I'd have to say that. Well, thank you so much for your time, Robert. Yeah, thank you very much. It's been it's been really great being on the podcast. Thanks for your time. I wish you uh, the best of success, and I hope success in 2019 is defined on your terms, and hopefully you have a lot of fun and reconnect with the sport and uh, everything that it offers. Yeah, thank you very much. It's good talking to you. Carbo loading. It was supposed to make you faster, but maybe it just made you fatter. Here's your FitSpeak 60 Fit Tip of the Week. And this one comes to us from the Dr. Gabe Merkin website. Carbo loading. Remember that? Maybe you still do it, hoping to stave off the inevitable fatigue that hits you like a sack of rusty hammers in that last third of an endurance event. The idea was that you were supposed to, ideally, not eat a whole lot of food in the week prior to your big race, and then, two days before, pig out on insane amounts of white starchy stuff, like pasta or bread or potatoes, to load your muscles with glycogen. Your body would magically glom onto these mountains of carbs, and you could use them to overcome that wall at mile 23 of the marathon, or while you're going up Sumas Mountain, if you're doing the Fraser Valley Grand Fondo. Our newest research says the magic is over. And even if you eat like a rhinoceros, you'll still only load your muscles with enough glycogen to last about an hour if you're really giving her. Like you probably would be, even in a longer event like a marathon or a 160-kilometer bike ride. Beyond a certain amount of loading, all you're going to do is carry extra weight and probably give yourself some tummy troubles come race time. In some extreme cases, if you really go the Mr. Creosote route in your quest for race day glory, that Kilimanjaro-sized serving of spaghetti may even load your liver with fat or block your arteries, even if you do pass on the patty. So, what to do for race day? The best new advice, according to the Merkin article, is just to eat your regular diet. Nothing special, but just reduce the amount of training you do in the days before the big race. Keep the intensity up. 
for the pre-race meal. Eat your usual healthy, well, at least moderately healthy foods, but make sure you eat it early enough so you can empty um, your stomach before you toe the line. Oh yeah, also make sure that your pre-race meal isn't full of sugar. Save that sugar for about 15 or 20 minutes before the gun goes off, and then after about every 20 minutes or so while you're doing battle. The choice of your sugar source is up to you. Just make sure that it goes down your tummy well while your heart rate is rocking. And make sure it tastes good even when it gets hot. You don't want to blow your nutrition plan by having something in the water that resembles the Ganges during Diwali. Yes, you can offer traditional sports drinks and gels, but don't be afraid of crafting your own concoctions. Just make sure you try it out under race-like conditions. There you go. Carbo-loading debunked. Well, at least according to the most recent research. Instead of eating those donuts, white bread, and piles of rice, just eat sensibly. Maybe even a glass of red wine the night before. Then show up to the race with a clear mind and happy bowels. And that's your Fit Tip of the Week. And that's it for another edition of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. FitSpeak is brought to you by Wenting Cycle and Mission. Your Wenting's Word of the Week is Sherwin. Once again, your Wenting's Word of the Week, Sherwin. We're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. Whether your goals are iron, golden, or ultra, our low client-to-coach ratio ensures you get the one-on-one time you deserve to achieve your potential. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. See the link at the bottom of this page to book your free consultation and goal-setting session. Be listening to us next time and we'll have the latest upcoming event schedule. Kevin Watt will be here for our feature interview with local cycling promoter Mark Ernstein. For all of us at FitSpeak, I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening.